This is the Bible Provocateur, and I'm your host, Jonathan Eubanks. Welcome. This is our inaugural edition of the Bible Provocateur, and I must say that I'm looking very, for- looking very forward to a lot of discussions that we're going to have about God, about the scriptures, and about what all these, these things mean to us what God means to us. It is important to understand that biblical truth can only be understood if we, if we understand God correctly on one hand and if we understand his assessment of us on the other hand. Now notice I said his assessment of us because it is very difficult for man to understand who and what he is unless who and what he is has been communicated to us by God. It is up to him to make himself known to us and he does that through his word. And unfortunately, the masses of people are not prepared to seize upon these biblical truths as having any value for them In their lives. That's unfortunate. Because we were made in God's image. And the the intent is for us to have communion with him. And that on a regular basis. And that throughout eternity. Now the fact is. All of us. Will live throughout eternity. However. All of us will not live throughout eternity the same way. And this is what biblical truth is all about. Determining how we will spend eternity. Now, I would venture and guess, can't prove it one way or the other, but that most people view God incorrectly. We see him as this benevolent only being. And at the same time, we see him as a God who is not directly involved in his creation. Basically, we see him as one who's, who sort of set the ball in motion and then got out of the way to see how things would turn out. And nothing could be further from the truth. We have a hard time with a lot of things that the Word of God has to say. I'm sure that most of, most of us have experienced a uh, death of a, of a loved one or loved ones. I'm certain that we all have. And I'm certain that if we ourselves didn't experience it this way, We know someone who has. And what I mean by that is somebody dies a violent death or a brutal death or or, or, or an early death in their estimation. And that has become the grounds for a distaste of God or an unsavory perspective about God because a person dies. When in fact we all know that all of us 
must die and that death is inevitable. We've heard something along these lines. If God is good, if God is great, then why did he let this happen? Or why did he let that happen? Or why did he let this person die? Or why did he let this person do this or or that? Well, this is the result of the wrong perspective about God. See, because God kills millions on a regular basis. God is responsible for the birth of millions on a regular basis. Every single death that happens, happens because God took back from that individual that which belongs to him. What is it? That person's breath, their soul, the life force within them, that which animates them. It belongs to God and he can do with it whatever he pleases. Why? Because it belongs to him. Absolutely. Now listen. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39, we read, See now, and these are God's words, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. Now make note of this. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. This is this comes straight from the scriptures. I don't know if you've read it. Have ever heard someone read it? I don't know if you've ever heard your pastor or a pastor preach on it. And I would venture a guess that there's this is not the kind of language that you hear in a typical sermon today. But make no mistake about it. This is what he says. God says he kills and he makes alive. He wounds and he heals. And there, there is none that can deliver themselves or anyone else out of God's hands. He does it all. We have to correct our thinking about God. He is sovereign and he is holy. And he is one who serves up mercy and grace to those who love him and look for his appearing. And he serves up wrath and justice for those who who have no interest in holy things. Man has concluded that he can do whatever he wants. We like to champion the idea of a free will. We're going to talk about this a lot in future segments. And I'm going to bring this home and prove that what the nature of man's will really is. 
Is it free? Is it not free? But not to go into too much detail with it in this place, I would like to say, ask you one question. Just one question. If you believe that your will is free, then do you believe that God himself has a free will? Now, I have to think that that question should be easy for you to answer. If you believe you being a man has a free will, then certainly God himself has one. But here's the question. What happens when your free will and the direction that it will take you is contrary to God's free will and the direction that he would take you? Whose free will prevails? I would love to hear answers on this one. But let me give you an answer from the word of God. Proverbs 16 verse 9 puts it this way. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Let me read this again. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Let me make this clear. What it says here is that man, through the agency of his own free will, devises that which he intends to do. A man makes his own plans of what he's going to do and how he's going to do it and where he's going to go and when he's going to go there and what he expects to accomplish when, when, once he gets there. This is a man devising his way. He makes his plans. He determines what he will do. He makes his own decrees for his life, so to speak. However, even though man does all these things, it is the Lord who directs his steps. This is a rather astounding assertion from the Lord, if you think about it. Because it shows that there is no conflict whatsoever between man exercising his will and God directing his steps. And what this means is, is that there is no direction that a man may take in his life that, that was not orchestrated by the Almighty. And that means every step, everything he does. So it's important for us to have the, a correct and a proper assessment of our God. Now, another big controversy or controversial set of ideas that men has about God is that only that which appears to us as good comes from God and that which happens that is not good can't come from God. Now, that assumes many things. It assumes many things to say that fact in fact it assumes it assumes a lot of things if there's anything that happens that God has not directed and orchestrated for his own purposes and for his own ends. So 
In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 6 and 7, we read this. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, he makes it clear that he does all these things. And yes, he does it all. In Proverbs 16, back of that chapter, we read in verse 4, Proverbs 16, verse 4, that the Lord has made all things for himself. And then he adds, yes, even the wicked for the day of evil. It almost seems as though he, well, it doesn't almost seem. I'm certain this was written and that God made this clear because men, he knew men would trip themselves up over this idea that God himself created the wicked even for the day, for the day of evil. There is nothing that God does that he can fail at. It is impossible for God to fail. All that happens, happens because he ordained it to happen. Now, here's what you will hear many people say. And I had this conversation, I had a conversation with someone uh, a day or so ago about the coronavirus, COVID-19. And I made this statement to this person, someone close to me, that this is coming from God, this COVID-19. It doesn't mean that man didn't have a problem or man didn't have an involvement in, in, in the, uh, you know, the coming about of, of COVID-19. But there is a way that God brings these things about and yet man is still held responsible. You can think a lot of things about that, but it is nonetheless true. Now, as I was about to say, I was having a discussion with someone close to me, and I suggested that this came from that this COVID-19 came from God. And she said, "Well, then what about the deaths that are caused from it?" The idea of her question assumes that if death is involved, that can't be from God. Well, the fact of the matter is, every death that happens comes from God. Every single birth that takes place comes from God, and every single death it takes place comes from God. Now, some people might say, well, I know you're right because God allows this hap to happen or allows that thing to happen. No, it's not just that he allows it to happen. God does it. God makes it happen. He doesn't just allow it. That would make God not God at all to just allow bad things to happen. He can't just 
know by looking into the future that something is going to happen and then it happens and then he gets involved to stop this or stop that. No, it can't be that way. That would not make him, that would make him be something different than what God really is. Some, it would make him someone, something different than what he should be to just allow these things to happen. Now, there is a permissive aspect to these, to these things. There is. But keep in mind, he could stop it anytime he wanted to, but he doesn't. What he allows, he allows by his decree. And this is important to understand. Everything that takes place in this earth happens by God's design. And, the, and whatever the outcome is in it, it's because in some form or fashion, it brings him glory. And God is about seeking his own glory. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But this earth and all that is in it is God's creation. And he can do whatever he, whatever he wills with his own creation. And we have no right or no grounds to talk back or to ask him why he does it. So you see, these are some of the things that I want to deal with going forward. And I intend to prove everything that I'm going to say. And I'm certain that there's going to come a time where I'll be wrong about something and somebody will point it out and I'll be honest and correct myself. But what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to say nothing that I cannot support biblically and scripturally. But if somehow I make a mistake, and I'm sure that I will, I will be honest about it. And I will be I will correct myself publicly to everyone. But at the same time, if I do speculate about certain things, I'll also make sure that I tell you that it is just a speculation, a speculative. So I want to try to be as forthright and as honest with you as possible. But we have some really twisted ideas about God. And, I'm, and I want to make sure that we deal with these things head on. This thing can be fun, especially if you like learning, especially if you love the word of God. And I want to try to make it interesting and compelling and engaging. But we're going to learn a lot. And my job here as your host is to provoke you, provoke you. And I want to do that. And I don't want to run away from truths or run away from answering questions that are important for you to have answered. I've sat in several churches in my in my lifetime and would be astounded when a pastor or teacher is going through a biblical passage or giving a, a teaching and they come across a passage which would be in any circumstance controversial or hard to understand or very difficult uh, when you read it. And somehow they managed to glaze over it and not deal with it at all. Well, that will not be an accusation that will ever be leveled against the Bible provocateur. Because we're going to address 
at all. Now, when we talk about God, on the flip side of it, of it we need to understand ourselves. Now, we were told in Scripture that when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in this garden and he gave them one admonition, one directive, one command to not eat from the fruit of the tree that was put in the midst of the garden. That was all they had to do. And they would have maintained their uprightness as long as they had not violated that command, which we all know that they did. But the penalty that God gave to Adam and Eve, if they violated that simple command to not eat that fruit from that tree, was that the day that they ate thereof, they would surely die. Now, if you go back and read the account of when they ate from the tree, you will notice that they did not die. At least they did not die the way we often look at death, which is the death of the body. That wasn't how they died, but they did die a spiritual death. And spiritual death is when that communion between man and God is severed. Death is separation from God. And when Adam and Eve fell, it plunged the, in, the mankind in his entirety. The entire posterity of Adam and Eve, all of us, we died the day they did. And that left us without any ability to please God. It left us without any ability to inherit a divine nature suited for an eternal existence in heaven with the Almighty and in communion with Him. We refer to this as depravity. Man became totally depraved, meaning that his sin has separated him from God without a remedy, without remedy. But thankfully, we do know the end of the story, which was that God would take on human flesh and become the son of God and would die for the sin, for the sins of mankind to restore the communion that was lost between God and man in the garden. Jesus Christ came to die for us so that he could do for us what we ourselves could not do for ourselves. Now, let's take that back to the whole discussion uh, that we started a little bit a while ago regarding man's free will that we all like to, to talk about having and owning so much of. Free will cannot make you a believer. Free will cannot redeem anyone from their sins. Free will cannot restore communion between man and God. Man who is spiritually dead cannot even come to Christ. It takes a supernatural intervention to restore man to communion with his maker. 
What God has to do, in essence, is to suspend the natural order of a depraved mankind in order to save him. And the fact is, another hard truth is, that God is not going to save every single individual. Never said he was going to. In fact, he said something completely different. He said that he would die for his own. That he would save his sheep. And he made a difference. He established that there was a difference between the children of God and the children of Satan. He said there's a difference. All men will not make it into heaven. And God is not obligated to save all mankind. Because the fact of the matter is, is that what we deserve is for him to exact justice. And if he were to exact justice, all of us would be doomed to death and destruction in hell forever. And that, my friends, is what we all actually deserve. We all deserve it. All of us. Because we are sinners and we're born in sin, born dead in sin and trespasses, and are in desperate need for a remedy that we don't even desire to have. Because as sinners, it is not in our nature to desire it. But it requires a divine influence, a divine intervention to arouse us from this dead state in order for us to be able to find a clear path to faith and belief in the Lord God. So this is just a this is just a introduction into things I'm going to go into with the with the in the Bible provocateur uh, podcast. And I intend to deal with a lot of things as I've said. We're going to talk about eschatological things like when the Lord's return is we're going to talk about the mark of the beast we're going to talk about propitiation and depravity we're going to talk about um, all those difficult things that that people like to talk about and discuss I want to clear up a lot of misunderstanding that takes place in, in discussions about the Bible but I want to make it as engaging as impossible, and I want to provoke you to be serious students of the Word of God, to embrace these truths, and I want to remove from your minds the caricature of God that so many of us have. And we need to be able to see God as the sovereign being that He is. Sovereign and absolute powerful in every way. So this is a, as I said, an introduction. And I look forward to being able to having many, 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 many segments of the Bible Provocateur. And I look forward to where this is going to go for us all. And, uh, and hopefully you'll enjoy it and learn something from it. And I expect to do the same thing. Um, so... Uh, I look forward to it. And with that being said, that's the end of our show for today. And uh, 
and I look forward to uh, bringing you the next segment.